You're listening to The Takeaway with John Hockenberry and Celeste Headley. Good morning, everyone. Thinking about Haiti, this uh, scene that I'm about to play you here, you heard a a bit of it at the top of the hour, recorded by a BBC reporter at a hospital in Port-au-Prince, sort of says it all about what's going on in Haiti today. I need help. I need help. She's fighting, but I need help. Are you getting any help? No, there's no help. There's no help in here. The kids is dying. She want to fight. She's fighting, but there's no help. You know, she needs to go to the operation room. You know what I'm saying? There's nobody in here, man. We know there's no help. That man speaking to the BBC, pleading for a doctor, pleading for someone to give his daughter an operation. Perhaps it's a 21st century question, but when we see uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta in a T-shirt and Anderson Cooper there, why aren't they saving people's lives? If you can get cameras in there, why can't you get humanitarian supplies in there? Of course, uh, people at CNN are hardworking, and for all we know, Sanjay Gupta, when he's off camera, may be saving lives. But uh, it, it certainly poses the question pointedly in this day and age, uh, why can't humanitarian supplies flow as freely as information and pictures? Adrian Carrigan, senior vice president of the Catholic Medical Mission Board, joins us from New York. He sort of talked a little bit about the challenges. We go now to Port-au-Prince, where Chloe Gans-Rugbrecht, uh, uh, the health delegate to the Haiti delegation of the American Red Cross, joins us on a Skype connection that's a little iffy, like all of the communications uh, in uh, Haiti this morning. Uh, Chloe, first of all, uh, if you can get cameras into Port-au-Prince, why not doctors uh, with scalpels and uh, uh, medical equipment? Well, good morning, John and Celeste. Um, First, I do want to say that there are many, many, many doctors and nurses that are trying to do what they can with very limited supplies, but right now there's no inn into Port-au-Prince. The runway, as of last night when I went to sleep, was shut. Um, medical supplies are coming through the Dominican Republic. It's just simply not enough to respond to the two to three million people who need help right now. Well, the, that, that math is stark and grim. And how do you set priorities then working with what you have, uh, knowing that uh, the supplies are piling up at the airport and the uh, casualties are, are piling up uh, in the neighborhoods of Port-au-Prince? It's very, very difficult. We have a huge team of volunteers that's working on the ground, um, volunteers that have come from all over the country as well as from the Dominican Republic. We have teams that are coming in from all over the country. Some came in yesterday, some are coming in today um, to do search and rescue, other teams that are just providing basic first response and first aid. But basically the infrastructure, what little infrastructure was there was totally devastated. So even the hospitals are just inundated. Um, many doctors and nurses are missing under the rubble as well. So we've just lost everything and at the uh, center of the country. As we, as we pointed out uh, yeah. earlier this week, the United Nations took the biggest single uh, hit, uh, their largest loss of life in the history of peacekeeping uh, for the United Nations. And that, of course, is a, an infrastructure that would be expected to rise to the occasion here, and they're struggling. Adrian Carrigan, uh, uh, talk a little bit about um, setting priorities. And you heard the frustration in Chloe gans uh, uh voice there. Um, how do you set priorities when you are so limited, both in what you can get in and the people that you can reach? perfect example of that is our country director, uh, Dr. Diane Jean-Francois. We have an a instant messenger connection open with her. And the first priority was to help their, the staff and their families uh, get out of the rubble. And then secondly, getting to the hospitals which have been destroyed and setting up triage and perimeters around the hospital and then to take care of the dead. And that is a major effort right now, which is requiring all the the logistical equipment for clearing the roads, 
to get those folks uh, and then to take care of the sick and wounded. We're getting some supplies in. Um, we're fortunate that we have a lot of supplies there, and we have a major shipment arriving tomorrow. And we've contracted some helicopters to get them out to the perimeter so that we can treat some of the, the, the really uh, – folks who really need it most. You know, the the frustration, I think, for a lot of Americans is uh, reflected uh, uh, for moments this week in our own editorial process here. Uh, there's a, a producer on our staff who keeps uh, uh, instant messaging me, like right now, uh, why not an airdrop, Adrian Kerrigan? Can you just drop supplies into a place like uh, uh, Port-au-Prince and, and bypass the airport altogether, or does that create more problems? You have to realize that we're talking about an area that is so concentrated uh, with folks and a mountain this region, that there's really no opportunity to do something like that. You have to have a central staging area. We are going to try uh, some form of that logistic, but uh, it's going to have to be uh, really targeted, and you need to be able to get the, the amount of supplies we're getting in. We have a 747 going in on Saturday morning, and then trying to get that those supplies out to the, to the place needed most. You can't really do a, a big airdrop. Chloe Gans Rujebrecht, uh, how do you tell your triage workers, um, uh, you know, what to do when 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 they're so limited and and they really have to make decisions very very quickly? What's your advice to them? Well, they are just treating people who can be treated for now, trying to stop uh, blood flow, fixing basic wounds with uh, antiseptic, and um, basically putting them aside to be sent to, to hospitals and health clinics. But there are not many hospitals and health clinics that are expect, accepting people, so we're just um, taking them to certain other places where other doctors are supposed to taking care of them. I mean, Chloe, I have to say, that sounds like the hardest job in the universe right now. I mean, would yeah, you agree? Yeah, it's, it's done. I mean, I, I can't even imagine doing such a thing. It is. It's really daunting. And, and uh, I have a friend who is not working for the Red Cross but works for another humanitarian organization who had five people die in her arms yesterday, um, bleeding out. It's, it's, it's impossible. All right. To Chloe Gans Rujabrecht is the health delegate to the Haiti delegation of the American Red Cross. You can hear her there via Skype connection in Port-au-Prince. Thanks to Adrian Carrigan, senior vice president of the Catholic Medical Mission Board, uh, joining us from Long Island. Thank you, Adrian. We want to put your voices into this program as well. We've been hearing a lot from you. We posed the question yesterday, whose responsibility is it to deal with the humanitarian crisis in Haiti? Here was one of your responses. This is Diana from Long Beach. The U.S. does not have to do anything. We would like to do things, and we can do things privately, and we can do things through the government, but we do not have to do anything. We have put millions of dollars into Haiti over the last several decades just trying to build infrastructure and keep people alive, and that's my takeaway. You can reach us at 8778-MY-TAKE or email us at mytake at thetakeaway.org. Diana wasn't alone in that sense that we don't have to do anything, but uh, there were some people who said we ought to rise to the occasion. Hi, this is Larry from Brooklyn. As far as whose responsibility it is to rescue the people of Haiti, I think nobody ever said it better than John Donne, who said no man is an island and finished his fight with never sent to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. The bell tolls for all of us here on The Takeaway. There's a lot going on right now. Mounting economic inequality, threats to democracy, environmental disaster, the sour stench of chaos in the air. I'm Brooke Gladstone, host of WNYC's On the Media. Want to understand the reasons and the meanings of the narratives that led us here? 
and maybe how to head them off at the pass? That's on the media's specialty. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts.